you can get the, the slides up. Awesome. Well, good evening. Hopefully, you guys can hear me. Um, I heard when you everybody introduced themselves. I know there was a number of sales guys in the group, and some financial planning guys in the group, some educators in the group. So my guess is that many of you have had the experience before where you had to do a meeting with people right after a really heavy lunch, you know, and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. What can be more terrible than that? I would suggest to you that a talk between 8 and 9 p.m. on a Friday night, three and a half hours away from the nearest airport, uh, brings with it great risk. So I'm going to do my best to keep you all awake for the next, uh, the next 40 minutes to an hour. Um, but then I, well, I thought to myself, well, what could it be even just a tiny bit worse than that? It'd be like if it was warm in the room. I mean, that would be really a problem. Um, and uh, I think it might be just a teeny tiny bit warm, but we did turn the, uh, turn the air conditioner down. So um, I'm uh, excited to be here tonight. I'm going to talk to you guys about this, this idea of being enlisted. Uh, just by a show of hands, do we have any military folks, anybody who served our country? In here in the room. All right, quick, quick round of applause for those guys. Um, many of you may or may not think about your identity that can come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I think this question is worth posing to every one of us as we think about our relationship with Christ. Are you on a mission? Do you consider yourself to be on a mission. For those of you who have made a decision to follow Christ, you're automatically enlisted in his army, and I'm going to illustrate that in just a little bit. For those of you who may not yet have made that decision, my hope is that through this conversation, you can see what is offered through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope to make the case tonight on this idea that we are all, when we commit to Christ, enlisted soldiers. I'll talk a little bit about some of the key battles that many of us will fight. Talk a little bit about this idea of training. How can we train? And then ultimately, I'm going to challenge you with uh, how we can approach this idea of active duty. And in preparation for this message, I worked on this a a while ago, and I had the chance to lean on a friend of mine. Uh, His name is uh, Tim Pertwee, actually Lieutenant Colonel Tim Pertwee. He's in the uh, Air Force. At the time, he was on a six-month deployment in Afghanistan. Uh, So he and I went back and forth on what it's like to be a soldier on the front lines of a battle against an enemy. And Tim would share with me back and forth the things that he faced when he, like, stood in front of an enemy. He came into a Bible study that I was teaching, and he shared this story, and I think it's worth sharing. He said, there is no point in your entire life when you will ever feel more in control than when you look another man in the eye And you have to decide to take his life or he takes yours. There is no other moment where you would feel more in control. And then he shared with me that it's a lie and you're not. Yet pride can teach us that. This idea of being an active soldier and fighting is really, really important for all of us to uh, to understand. So at different times through this talk, I'm going to share some of the things Tim shared with me. I think they're super helpful. They were helpful for me, and they really gave some, uh, some perspective to this idea of being in a real battle. And we are, in fact, in a real battle as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, so as Trevor mentioned, my name is Craig McAndrews. Um, I do, in fact, work for a mattress firm, so I'll get two quick things out of the way. Um, 
Yes, Tempur-Pedic is a really good mattress. It does last a long time. And if your kid does, in fact, as a teenager, sleep more than 12 hours, that's normal. Don't worry about it. It's part of their biological clock. So now we'll finish with those. Um, but, uh, but I've been a follower of Jesus Christ now for 15 years. In fact, it's, uh, it's fantastic to be back here in Arizona. I came to know the Lord here in Arizona. In fact, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, is where I found Jesus Christ when a guy said, Do you know, um, you might be familiar with religion, but have you ever heard about the idea of having a relationship with the Lord? And I had never heard that before. And I knew I wanted that. And at that point in time, I accepted Christ. And it's been now coming up on 16 years uh, that I have followed the Lord. And, you know, I thought to myself, what did he save me from? Um, and it took me a while to really be able to articulate it. But I realized that he saved me from a life of fully and completely serving myself. I spent the majority of my teen years and my 20s chasing everything that doesn't matter. In some cases, I got it. In some cases, I didn't. But I chased it. And it wasn't until I came to know Jesus Christ that the perspective changed on what, in fact, really mattered. And what's funny is, like many people, things didn't just get better. In fact, they didn't get great at all. From the time I accepted Christ to when I left Arizona, I lost a business. I lost friends. In between there, my wife and I lost a child. Lots and lots of things happened. But it's interesting how, and I love the way you described it earlier, is how a follower of Christ can at the very same time experience great sorrow and great joy. How do you do those two things at the same time? I suggest to you there's only one way you do it, and that's Jesus Christ. So we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about this idea of being a soldier. So if you guys would bow your heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you know where every man stands right now here in this room. You know their hearts. You know what they've been through. You know the week that they've been through. There is no doubt in my mind that there are guys who encountered great adversity to get here. There's no doubt in my mind there's people sitting out there right now tired. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind there's people out there sitting fighting these battles. So, Father, I would simply just ask that you would meet each of us at our point of need tonight. Please let my words be yours that I might handle this topic in a way that brings all glory and honor to you, and that through it, you would just ignite a fire in us to serve you fully and completely, that the 250,000 men who are committed to Jesus Christ isn't just something on the wall, but it's something that, uh, that we can live with. You tell us, Lord, in your word, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Father, I would just pray tonight that, uh, that you would do a uh, mighty work. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the verses, if you would turn to your Bible, we're going to take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Make sure I get it up there, up there on the screen. You can take a look at it in, uh, uh, in your Bible. Um, now, for those of you who don't know a little bit of context, Timothy is Paul's disciple following, uh, following Jesus Christ. Paul is leading him. And Paul is writing this letter to encourage Timothy in his ministry. And what Paul writes is he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, so who they, they will be able to teach others also. Then he goes on to say, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ, that no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. 
Three times Paul uses the word soldier in these verses. Why do you think he does that? Now he goes on in the letter to refer to use the comparison of an athlete and a farmer after that. But three times he uses the word soldier. In fact, if you have a King James version, I love the King James version. It uses the term man that warreth. I mean, if you can't get excited about man that warreth, you're going to have a hard time getting excited about anything. So when he's writing that, he's saying, you are a soldier. You are at war. And I think there's three parts to this idea of being a soldier that are important for us to understand. The first part is this idea of a mission. We're told right here in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Jesus himself said, go therefore and make disciples of all men. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then this next part, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. When you consider this verse, our mission, this idea of make disciples and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. This is a charge right from Jesus Christ himself. With the beginning of go, therefore, go do this. This is the mission of the follower of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. He doesn't say when you have time. Go make disciples. When it's convenient, can you go make disciples? If you think about it, go make disciples. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples and teach them all that I have commanded you. When you consider the idea of being a follower of Jesus Christ, this mission is a universal mission. It applies to every one of us. But then things get a little bit difficult because the other thing we have in this battle is this idea of Every time I click it like this, it doesn't go. But when I look at it, it goes. Maybe it's something with the way that I look at it that makes the slides change. It's this idea of Ephesians 6.12, that we have an enemy. And you can see, Paul writes, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. This idea of spiritual forces. There is a very real enemy in our lives. And I'm sure many of you who have walked with Jesus Christ for any period of time can attest to the fact that the enemy is an aggressive enemy. The Bible refers to him as someone who prowls around like a roaring lion. But this idea of a spiritual force, we're in a fight. We have an enemy who very much wants us not to fight this battle. So what can that look like in your life? So I mentioned earlier, I work at a mattress firm. We're a retailer. Um, We have a number of stores. Uh, We're a publicly traded company. So anybody who works in a big company, you know what can happen with your time. And your time can get away from you. And work can be one of those things for many men that can very quickly occupy an enormous amount of our time. I know for myself, I've had days where I've had great time with the Lord in the morning. I go to work. I come home and I lay down and I think, I didn't have one conversation with God today. I didn't pray one time. I didn't think about him one time. And it's an embarrassing thing to think about when I think about how, what I want to do. I can relate to Paul in Romans 7 when he says, I do the very things I don't want to do, but I don't do the things that I want to do. The enemy wants that in us. And it's only through developing this mindset of a soldier that we can really battle. And the last part of this is this right here. There's a battlefield. There's a battlefield. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
But as you move down, you see that this idea of we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The battlefield for men is where? The battlefield for all of us is where? It's in your mind. It is in our mind. If you've ever been to a Bible study, uh, you likely have heard Romans 12.2 repeated over and over again. If you've ever been to a Bible study for multiple times and you've never heard Romans 12.2, don't go back. Uh, Romans 12.2 is an important foundational verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the thing is no one will ever do anything different until they think about it differently. All change. All change starts in our minds with how we think about things. And many of you see it in the lives of people when it comes to scripture. This idea of, look, the fight is in our mind. And as soldiers of Christ, if we don't fight, we can't win this might sound like a really simple question but it's amazing when you if you look across your own life and i've looked across mine of how this can happen is this idea of what happens to the person who's in a fight and they don't fight back pretty simple they lose they get killed they get stomped but how many times do we find ourselves in battles that we may not really be fighting back have you ever ended the day Thinking to yourself, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that today. I wish I wouldn't have said that today. I wish I wouldn't have thought that today. I see a lot of nodding heads. I nod my head right along with it. I see that. I feel it. And it's because I didn't fight back. And when it comes to this idea of fighting, there are some really, really big battles that we as followers of Jesus Christ can encounter. I'm going to hit three really big ones. That I think many of us have as challenges. Maybe I'll say it like this. I'm going to hit three battles that are real challenges for me. And if you can relate to anything I'm saying, then fantastic. Before I get to that, though, I want to ask you this question. If you have a piece of paper in front of you, and if you don't, I'd like for you to get one. Because I would really like for you to contemplate this question right here. If I lived today as an enlisted soldier of Jesus, what would I do differently? If I lived today as an enlisted soldier of Jesus, what would I do differently? This is just a question for you to answer. Write it down. I always encourage people to write it down. I think from when it goes to your mind to a piece of paper, it allows you to more clearly articulate what you're thinking. What would you do differently as a soldier of Jesus Christ? Maybe you have always thought about yourself in that way. Maybe you haven't. But we do have a mission. We have an enemy. And we have a battlefield. And how much we choose to fight is exactly that. It's a choice. We choose. But if we don't fight, we absolutely cannot win. So I want to talk real quick about three battles that many men can encounter. Actually, I always hesitate. I want to tell you about this battle that I have a challenge with. And if you guys can relate, great. If you can't, like on this one, pride, then you can just kind of not listen for a little while. That'd be okay. And then when I hit on one that you can relate to, then great. So this idea of pride. One of the reasons that Paul starts these verses in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 with, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because he knows 
that we're up against a fight. He knows that these battles are going to challenge us. They serve as the greatest derailers of our testimony and an impact on other people. This idea of pride, the interesting thing is that the world, when you think about the word pride, the world actually thinks it's great. You'll hear terms like, be proud of yourself. Be proud of your accomplishments. I'm so proud of what you did. The world suggests that pride is an important characteristic for a man to have, to get ahead. How can you get ahead if you don't have pride? However, the Bible, in Proverbs 16.5, says it very clearly. Everyone who is proud of heart is an abomination to the Lord, and surely he will not go unpunished. Now, in fairness, the first time I ever read that, I didn't even know what the word abomination meant, but it sounded horrible. I mean, that sounds like a terrible, terrible thing. Pride is actually one of the only, one of the few places that actually you'll hear it referenced in God hating it. God hates pride. One of the few things in all of Scripture that you hear that God hates. He absolutely tells us that he has no way for pride. Pride, in my mind, you simply is stated, this, I'm choosing my way over God's way. I mean, at the end of the day, that is pride. Pride is choosing my way over God's way. And ultimately, for us, if we don't fight that battle, pride can have such an impact on so many areas of our lives, on relationships, for sure it can have a big impact, on our testimony, Suggest to you the root of most sin is pride. So how do you fight it? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.7, the idea of being grateful. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says, For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast? And if you didn't receive it, why do you boast as if you did receive it? Everything we have is given to us. So gratitude can be a remedy against pride. In fact, pride and gratitude can't coexist. Try it. They cannot exist at the same time. You cannot be grateful and be proud. Gratitude is not easy. It does not come natural. Maybe it does to some people. Um, But gratitude is a way that we can fight pride. And the Bible will give us those answers to be able to fight that battle. Another battle that many of us fight is this idea of this battle of lust. You know, many people think differently about lust. Jesus put it into great perspective in Matthew 6. If you so much as look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery. So it's just if I look, I've gone there. Now, what does the world say about lust? The world says a little bit's okay. Compromise is okay. Everything you read, everything you see, so much of what you experience in and around the world says it's okay. I mean, they even have cool statements for it, funny statements for it. It's okay to look at the menu as long as you don't pick anything off of it. I mean, things like that that exist out in the world that suggest that compromise is okay. That just a little does no harm. But I'd suggest to you there's not a man or a woman ever who woke up one morning and decided to commit adultery. That didn't happen in one day. 
That happened a little teeny tiny bit at a time over a long period of time. And so it is with many of the things that people find themselves buried in. It never happens right away. It happens over a period of time. The Bible tells us very clearly about lust. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint of it. The world says compromise is okay. The Bible says there is no room for compromise. There is no room for compromise. This is a battle that we have to fight. And how do you fight it? It's very simple. The Bible tells us to flee from immorality. And I've had conversations about that before with people. And they're like, what does it mean by flee? It means get the heck out. Leave. Run. Whatever you have to do to flee. Turn it off. Close it up. Leave the room. Get in the car. Whatever you have to do. Flee immorality. Not fighting this battle right here will put you in a position to fully undermine your testimony. But more importantly, God will never, ever, ever be able to work fully in you and through you when we don't make a decision to fight this battle. He can't. He won't. He just won't. He could. He's God. But he won't. This is an area where compromise is no option. I'm 100% sure in a room this size that there are folks who struggle deeply with this type of challenge, with this type of issue, with the issue of lust. It's likely there's people that have major, major issues with pornography, just the odds. But this is also an area that continues, I think, to challenge our next generation of believers who are coming up. Because the world is only going to continue to say compromise is an option. And until we make a decision that it's not, and we start transferring that to those closest to us, lust is going to win. It's a battle that we have to fight. And the last battle that I'm going to touch on is this this idea of ambition. Um, And this, you know, the world tells us when it comes to ambition that, uh, look, make something of yourself. Pursue achievement. Be ambitious. I mean, think about this. If you went into your boss or somebody who works for you came to you and said, look, I've decided not to be ambitious. Well, that's great. I'm super encouraged now to have you on my team. That conversation would never happen. The world says, come on, be ambitious. Make more of yourself. What's interesting, this word in the Greek, it's actually used three times in all of the New Testament. You can use the strive for. Um, is what the, how the Greek would define it. Um, but it's used three times. The first place is it says, be ambitious to please God. Be, second place is be ambitious to share the gospel. And the third time it's used, it says, be ambitious to lead a quiet life. To lead a quiet life. Here's a thought for you. Would you be willing to live a life of unknownness? Would you be willing to live a life of unknownness? Think about that one for a little while. This idea of ambition is about what is the object of our ambition? And are we striving to please God, to preach his word, and to lead a quiet life? That is a very different set of, set of an approach. It's a very different approach 
than what the world would suggest. But these are battles that many, many of us encounter. Actually, I did it again. These are battles that I encounter very regularly. This is not an exhaustive list of battles, but these are three really big ones. That if a soldier, an enlisted soldier of Christ, doesn't make a decision and actively work to fight against these, they will win. They will win. So I'm going to put another question up there for you. Actually, let me finish with this, what the Bible says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. Every evil thing where selfish ambition exists. So when you think about these three battles, pride, lust, and ambition, here's my question for you to write down. Which battle are you fighting today where victory would have a profound impact on your service to the Lord? Where victory would have a profound impact on your service to the Lord. And it might not be one of those three. It might be another one. I'd encourage you to take a step now and write it down. Take it from your mind to a piece of paper. Because until we do that, it remains something that we can keep hidden in our hearts and pretend like it doesn't exist. That's the reason when the prophet Jeremiah wrote, For the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I always translate that to, nobody sells me better than me. Nobody convinces me that something is right better than me. So, what can we do as a follower of Jesus? Well, there is some training that we can do. There is some training that we can put forth, which I'm going to hit on in just a minute. But I want to take just a pause real quick. And I want to see if there are any questions. We'll kind of come up for air for just a minute. If you do have a question, grab the mic, and then uh, we will go. Go ahead. I think they're open. This is for the verses of the three times in the Bible that ambition is strived for. Do you have the addresses of those verses? I do. I'll, I'll get them for you. I don't have them on this piece of paper, but I can get them for you. Yes, Question. Do have? Do you have a? Um, you mentioned First um, Corinthians four seven is in direct opposition to pride. Um, I was just wondering if you had uh, in your research found um, like something in direct opposition to lust as well. When you say um, you mentioned gratitude was yeah, in direct correct. opposition to pride, and you referenced First uh, Corinthians four seven. Is that yes. right? Yes, okay. so gratitude and pride can't coexist. Yeah. And so the question of, is there anything that lust can't coexist with? Is that That question? was the question, yes. Yeah. First Corinthians 6.18. You want to read it, Gene? You have it? Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Any other questions? Very good. We'll keep moving. So I want to talk about training because the idea of being in training, I think, is important for a soldier. I mentioned to you earlier that my uh, friend Tim, when he was over in Afghanistan, we were going back and forth. and We talked about this idea of training, and he said this to me, which I thought was, or he wrote this to me, which I thought was profound. He said, look, when you're in the military, we have this theme, which is, which is called the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. And when I heard that, 
that resonated with me as a soldier of Jesus Christ, knowing that, look, the more I put in the training, the less I will bleed in war. Or maybe more appropriately said for us, the more we spend time in God's word, the more opportunity we have to gain victory over the battles that he puts, that are put in front of us, that are put in front of us. So training, I'm going to keep it real simple, very simple acronym, this idea of war. Because we are at war, but the Bible offers us a path to victory. And this is a real simple training program. It's this idea of first being the word. This idea of the word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. And there's the word, training in righteousness. You'll hear this over and over again. And sometimes it, does, it may sound like a broken record, but it's not. This idea of being in the word. Being in the word. <clears throat> this is a question to ask yourself, but how much time do you put in the word? How much time do you put in? Do you put in as much time as it takes to draw near to God and get to know him more? Ultimately, you would have to answer that. But the word, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, praying on it. You know, lots of people hear the word. They go to church. They go to a Bible study. They hear it. Fewer people read it. Fewer people study it. Lots fewer people memorize it, and very few people meditate on it. I like to think about it as a funnel. Pour the word in. We want to get to the point, memorizing and meditating. It's when the word can most work in our lives, is when we've memorized it and we can meditate on it. This idea of A is about accountability. There's likely nothing greater that can have an impact on your walk with the Lord and what you want to be doing relative to that than having accountability. This idea of encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you, none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Accountability can serve as that objective viewpoint on whether or not you're actually doing the things that you want to do. Now, ultimately, you have to decide a man has to choose the level of accountability that he's willing to have. But when you make that choice, it can make all the difference of the world in the world when it comes to living as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Again, Prophet Jeremiah told us the heart's deceitful and desperately sick. What can we do about it? Guess what we can do about it? We can get accountability. We can get like-minded men, men who are committing to the Bible as their authority, and ask them to help. Ask them to help us walk in a way, talk in a way, live in a way that is according to, to the scripture. And then the last part of this training program is this idea of respond. James tells us, prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers. Doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Being actively involved in the ministry of Christ, God brings opportunities into our life. And if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, 
you know what this is. You know those times when he's brought an opportunity to you that you had no idea that it was coming and you responded and you thought, God, that was great. Thank you. And then you know the times when God brings an opportunity to you and you let it pass by and you go, I can't believe I missed. I can't believe I did that. I missed an opportunity. It was there. It was an easy opportunity. God laid it up there for me. And I, he opened the door and I didn't step through. Responsiveness, responding to those opportunities over time, it's like working out. It's like exercising. The more you do it, the stronger you get. The more you do it, the more you can see it. When we respond to the work that God's doing and those opportunities he creates, it's amazing how this works, but he brings more opportunities. Responding and taking action, though, being a doer of the word and not merely a hearer is really, really important. We get this chance to serve, we get a chance to encourage others, and we get a chance to share Jesus. Those are great opportunities that God will bring into our lives if we respond. So final question as I bring this towards a close is which of these three training regiments could you add to your life right now? Which one of the three? And I'll bring them back to make it easy. Which one of these can you add to your life right now? That would make a difference in your walk with the Lord. Would vary for many of us. Maybe some of us have some similars, but this is your chance to answer the question. So as we wrap up, I finish up with the same question that we started with. Are you on a mission? Are you on a mission? Do you see yourself as a soldier of Jesus Christ? Now, what I will tell you is that you don't have to see yourself as a soldier of Jesus Christ if you would choose not to. But I would suggest to you that we are all enlisted soldiers. The only decision that we make is whether we want to be in active duty or not. You know, I like to think about retreats like this as, um, this is like going home to be refreshed from a tour of duty in the military. You know, we're going to leave here and we're going to go back out in the world. Guess what? Back to tour of duty. Back to war. Back to where we live. Back to where our families. Back to our work. Back to all the things we do. And fighting as a soldier of Jesus Christ. But you come here this weekend and this is a chance for leave. This is a chance to be refreshed. This is a chance to be encouraged. Imagine for just a minute. Imagine in your own life what would happen around you with the people in your life and your circumstances if you chose to live as an active soldier of Christ. Imagine the impact you could make to your kids, to your wife, to your friends, to the place where you work. Imagine the impact that they could make to others. Trevor used the great illustration of this world started with two people and now we have seven billion of us. This idea of multiplication, guess who invented it? God. Guess where it came from? The Bible. We have a chance to do that. Imagine if you chose to live that way. So my question is, are you on a mission? And the stakes are high. The stakes are high. Should we choose not to engage? We miss out on great opportunity. Should we choose 
to not be in active service, we miss out on great opportunity. But guess what? If we choose to be in active service, guess what is waiting for us? Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 6. Paul says, I fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. Listen to what he says here. In the future there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He has a crown of righteousness that he's going to award to those folks who are his active soldiers, to those who have participated in it. It's a reason in Matthew, Jesus said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. In this, he offers us such great benefit, such great gain in eternity if we make this decision to enlist as a soldier. He makes it worth our while. So I'm going to leave you with this. I like to call this the seven-day challenge. Seven days. Anybody can do anything for seven days. So for the next seven days, here's my challenge to you. Pray for a mission opportunity today. That's it. For the next seven days in the morning. Lord, would you please provide me a mission opportunity today? And watch what God will do. You will see the doors open. You will see people impacted. And ultimately, we get all the benefit in the world from that. Let me pray. Father God, um, this idea of uh, being your soldier. Um, Lord, we want to fight. We want to fight. And I pray that if there are guys here who aren't sure, if maybe there's somebody who stood a little bit on the sidelines, Lord, that you would just ignite their heart to now see themselves as your soldier, that they are enlisted in what you are doing. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us just a tiny glimpse of the crown of righteousness that can be available to us If we can fight that good fight, we know it's difficult. We know it's challenging. Everybody has different circumstances. Father, I just just ask you to please create opportunities for each of us. Father, I would pray that every man would get a mission from you that they can see when they choose to serve you that they're investing in what really matters. I lift all this up in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.